Scripture reading comes from Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, and I will be reading the first through the 16th verse. That's Hebrews 11, 1 through 16. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and though through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with a godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured to them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would not have had an opportunity to return or they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. Amen. Faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things 
unseen. Being able to believe in things even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Being assured of stuff that by normal standards, you're, you're no way of knowing how it's actually going to happen. All right, all right. But you have to believe. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't believe, nobody else will believe. I came across a tweet not too long ago before this sermon, when I was preparing for this sermon, actually. It was uh, on July 30th of uh, 2016. But there were two pictures by it. There was a lady by the name of Moral Lake Aquino-san. Okay. Her Twitter handle is, is uh, at Miss Fast Twitch. Yeah. Uh, I, I see some eyes bulging. when uh, the, the, She is a track runner. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is an Olympic track runner. And when you talk about track uh, when you talk about the human body, you have what are fast twitch muscles right, right. and slow twitch muscles. And so when you run miles and miles, you are strengthening your slow twitch muscles. And when you run sprints, you are strengthening your fast twitch muscles. So her Twitter handle is at Miss Fast Twitch, not because she has a bad walk, not because she's trying to be fast emotionally. It's Miss Fast Twitch because she is fast physically. All right, all right. That wasn't part of the sermon. I just, I, I yeah. saw everybody jump back when I said a Twitter handle, so I'm going to let me go ahead and fix that. So July 28th, 2011, she tweeted, in 2016, I will be 22, graduated from a school I have not chosen yet, and going to the Olympics and put a smiley face under it. All right, all right. She then tweeted July, 20, or July 30th, 2016. I tweeted that five years ago. Hmm. It's 2016. All right, all right. I graduate from the University of Texas in December, uh -huh. and I'm going to the Olympics in Rio right. next week. All right, all right. This young lady exercised faith. She's about to graduate from UT Austin, and she's qualified for the 100-meter dash mm. in Rio and is going to be on the 4 by one Olympic team. All right. She had faith. Faith is not just about, as we read in the text, it's not just about believing, but sometimes it's also diligently working towards the faith. Faith is, has to be uh, uh, brought out in action. And, and because the, 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 there's a song that says, it's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do the same thing for you. So God is a rewarder, as it said in the text, of those who diligently seek him. Diligent, an adjective, constant in effort to accomplish something, attentive and persistent in doing anything, done or pursued with persevering attention, painstaking. That exercising that faith is not just saying, I believe. What else are you going to do about it? 
Are you going to work towards it? Are you going to let your faith be in action? Or are you just going to say, I believe, and sit down and wait for God to do something for you? Right, all right. Is God your vending machine? Uh. Do you put money into it, push a button, and what you want pop out at the bottom? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen, but those things that are unseen eventually become seen. What do we do to exercise our faith? We exercise our faith on a daily basis. We get in cars. We did not design. We did not build. Probably don't know what the spark plugs look like, how the engine works. Don't know nothing about that. We're not all mechanical engineers. But we get in the car, we stick our key in the ignition and turn it and expect by faith that it's going to start. We then drive on roads that we did not design. We drive across bridges. To get to this city, I drive across a bridge every time that I did not design. Amen. We get in and we assume by faith that nobody else is going to run into us mm. while we're on the road. We can be following every law, a traffic law available, but we get in by faith and we assume these things. We wake up every morning. We go into buildings that we have no idea who built them. We exercise faith on a daily basis. We don't go around testing the floor, walking on it to make sure that it doesn't fall down. So it's not some weird concept, faith. We believe things are going to happen every day. We go to bed every night thinking we are going to get up in the morning. But tomorrow is not promised. We exercise faith on a daily basis. That's what we hope for when we expect all these things to happen. And that's the evidence of things that we have not seen. And then it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There's an argument going on in the text where the writer is addressing uh, a certain philosophy. And in that certain philosophy, they talk about these visible and invisible worlds. And, and the, the philosophy that he's going against and he's talking about, but basically he's saying that the word of God being brought into fruition is the things that are unseen becoming seen. You can't see God. You can't see all of the things, but they are saying that the word of God coming out the word of God being made flesh, the word of God that we have and, and worship and look at in our daily lives. That is the evidence of those things that you haven't seen coming together for you to see it. And so the writer is talking about that and he's saying that the proof of the invisible becoming visible is right in your hand. If you need another example, if the practical examples of going to work and driving your car and going into buildings and going to sleep and expecting you to wake up is not good enough, look at the word of God. Because that is not something that could have come to fruition on its own without God. And so the writer is addressing that and he, he goes on further and he brings up Abel. Uh, Abel, we know not much about Abel. 
But uh, we know that he made his sacrifice to God in Genesis. And he's mentioned because he's the second son of Adam. And his name, his, I mean, his job, rather, is that of a shepherd, the text says. And his name in Hebrew literally means vapor or breath. And they say that because he had no children and he died very quickly. He was killed by Cain because he had an offering that he made to the Lord and it was righteous and God declared it his favorite and so Cain punished him for that. Sometimes when you are doing something right, you have to expect somebody else to try to punish you for it. Hmm. Right. I was at a meeting last night and uh, one of the brothers that was at the meeting told me something that, I, that stuck with me. He said that people will always find something to complain about. Mm. No matter what you do, no matter how much work you put in, no matter how much things you do, no matter how much time you, you, in, you, you develop into something or invest into something, somebody else will be able to come around and point out some flaws in that. Some people, that's all they bring to the table is the ability to take the attention off of them. And so Abel was punished, but his faith was able, that, that the text says that he's able to, uh, 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 that by, uh, he, 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 his gifts, even though he was dead, still spoke. And then we talk about Enoch, and we don't know that much about Enoch either. There are multiple Enochs in the Bible, and there's one that was mentioned that's the son of Cain, in Genesis 4, but the one that he's talking about is in Genesis 5, which was the son of Jared and became the, mother, the father, rather, of Methuselah, the, the oldest person to live in the Bible. And he walked with God. And Enoch did not die. He was caught up with the Lord. And he was a man of faith. And we know that he was a man of faith because the text says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So he had an early triumph, just as Abel did. Even though he was cut down, his story still spoke. His name lived on, and when they spoke about Enoch, they went on to say that he lived on and he did not die because he had faith. And then we get to Noah. There's a lot about Noah. Noah got a whole construction project going and completed off of a warning. Not only was this off of a warning, he exercised his faith off of a warning about something that had never happened before. Okay. The text says that it didn't rain before this time, and God told him that it was going to rain. And so he built an ark, even though he did not know what rain was. <laughs> And rain had never happened. The text says that the water and the plants and everything was, 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 was irrigated by dew at the time. The moisture. So there wasn't much coming down from the right, skies. Right, right, right. And so you've never heard of rain. And somebody says there's going to be so much that there will be no land for you to get on. And he built it. And that was no small task the Bible says that the ark had to be five, uh, um, 300 cubics, rather, which is roughly 500 feet, which is roughly one and a half football fields. He had to build a boat that could float and be that big. 
They just opened a theme park last month in Kentucky where they have a life-size replica of the ark. They don't have the animals inside it. They have the animals in the zoo outside of the ark, but they, it's, a, it's a theme park that's open, and when you see it, it's massive. You'll catch it from the side of the road just like you would catch a, a football or a baseball or a basketball stadium. It's huge. But he did that, and he triumphed off of a warning. He exercised his faith. So sometimes faith is about triumph. Let the church say triumph. triumph. But then sometimes faith is about a test. Let the church say test. Uh, we have Abraham in the text. And, and, and the, second, the first examples uh, come from Abel, Enoch, and Noah, Noah, and they tell us that faith is necessary to please God. Faith is necessary to approach God, and faith is necessary to be rewarded by God. But the second examples that he provided when he talked about Abraham and Sarah, they never really saw the promise. So the second examples talk about faith being necessary to look into the future and be tested. Uh, the obedience of Abraham and Sarah is, is, is commendable because they had no clue where God was sending them. In Genesis 12, God told Abraham to get out of your country. Get out of the place of your father's land and go. And then he said, I'll bless you. And you'll be blessed to be a blessing. Nowhere did it tell him where to go. Didn't tell him how to get there. Couldn't put anything in his GPS. Couldn't tell, go to Google Maps. He couldn't do any of that. He just told him to get out, and he did it. And he went because he trusted. And then it says in here that this was called to set out in verse 8 and called to set out, or called out, rather, where the text says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He went out. Funny thing about that is in the Greek, that word is the literal meaning of church. The word that they was using, well, not that, that but it, it's the correspondence to it. The, the ecclesia or ecclesia. Uh, uh, the journey of Abraham and Sarah is it, it, a metaphor of us being the church uh, because we never know where we're going to go. We never know necessarily how we're going to get there, but we got to follow God's word and God's will, Amen. even when it doesn't make sense to us. And so those were, they were tested. And the faith was about the test. One of my favorite movies is uh, the Indiana Jones series. The first three. I don't know what happened on that fourth one with the crystal skulls. It was weird, but I used to love watching Indiana Jones growing up. In the third movie called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, there was a scene where they were trying to find the Holy Grail. And they thought that the Holy Grail was a cup that Jesus drank out of during the Last Supper. And they thought that if you drank out of this cup, you would have eternal life. And so this cup, they found the location of this cup, and it was in a temple with a bunch of traps in it. 
You had to know how to spell Jesus' name in Aramaic. You had to know how to kneel and pray at the right time or else these saws came across and relieved you of your head. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on in this place. And they got to a place where there was a chasm that he had to, tr- that he had to cross. And he ran and he stopped at the chasm and he looked around. Didn't know where to go. Thought it was too far to jump. But he grabbed some, some dust in his hand after he looked at it from a different angle and threw the, threw the gravel and the dust out on, on the chasm. And lo and behold, there was a pathway across that he could walk. This handful of gravel, the falling stones, they don't travel far, but just a few inches he was able to understand what had happened. He was able to take just a few inches further and go further and further and further, stepping out on faith, being able to cross the bridge that what it looked like was certain death. And that's not a bad image when I think about it for facing our own life's challenges. Amen? Uh, There may appear to be no way forward, but God's grace sometimes can be just that little bit of gravel that we throw out and find and see that there's a way that we can walk when it didn't look like there was. God's grace is pushing us forward. It just has not been revealed yet. So sometimes faith is about the test. But not only is faith about the test, amen, sometimes faith is about trust. Let the church say trust. Ah, the, 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 the problem that people have with the church uh, sometimes is not that, that, that we sometimes put out that their struggles, their problems, everything that's going on in their life, if they just turn, if they just come in and say, Jesus, 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 all of their problems will go away. We overlook the part of the Bible that says that man born of a woman's days are few and full of trouble. Uh, we overlook the part of the problem. We say that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, but that weapon still had to be formed. And in order for it to not prosper, somebody still had to try to shoot it at us. And so we sell this pie in the sky life in the church. And so people get hurt because they come in and find out that we just as sick as everybody else. It's just as much backbiting going on in the church as elsewhere. It's just as many problems. The difference between us, though, in the world is we have an anchor to hold on to in those times of trouble. We have a very present help that will allow us to get through it. It won't make the problems just disappear, but we'll be able to survive and hold on strong and then be able to look on it when we get on the other side and say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? And that comes from trust. And so, sometimes we have to trust even though we don't see the end result. Mm -hmm. Abraham was promised the promised land. Abraham did not get the promised land. It went generation after generation after generation after generation. Moses did not walk into the promised land. Sometimes you do work for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. You plant trees that you'll never get an opportunity to sit in the shade of. But he still went and he still trusted. 
they didn't come, these people didn't become biblical heroes because they moved from uncertainty to certainty or from uncertainty to clarity. They, they didn't move from faith to this triumph over. They moved from faithless, rather, to trusting God, that God would see it through. And, and doing that sometimes means we may have to deal with some failure. But dealing with failure does not mean you are faithless. Mm-hmm. Having feelings about a situation does not mean you are faithless. But we have to trust Sometimes faith is about the trust. So I told y'all during the announcement period about our hospitalized parsonage visitor. I have the parsonage phone forwarded to my cell phone and I was at work and I saw a number I did not recognize from Delray Beach, Florida. And I don't know about you all, but if I don't know the number, I'm going to let it go to voicemail. And so I didn't pick up the phone. Matter of fact, I was on the phone with my mom, so I didn't click over. But then I saw that they hung up and they tried again. And I said, well, I'm going to call you back, Ma, because I think this might be important. You know, robocalls don't do that. I got on the phone, and it was the pastor of Cason United Methodist Church in Delray Beach, Florida, said, I need, is this, is this Galveston, St. Paul? I need your help. I said, this is Johnny. This is the pastor of Galveston, St. Paul. What can I do? We have a member that is checking out of the hospital either Friday or Saturday, and we need help getting him out the hospital to a hotel. And then we need a help getting him from the hotel to uh, the bus station. And the bus that they were trying to get him to was going to be in Manville because that was the closest one that got to uh, where he was trying to go in Florida. Not using names, and I'm going to tell you why, because it's still under investigation. The pastor told me that our member in Florida had had his throat slit on the Galveston Beach and left for dead. And he had been recovering for the last three weeks in the hospital. This man lives in Florida and comes down here for tourist season. Does work here for tourist season. Goes back to Florida about September-ish, give or take, to get their tourist season going. And that's how he earned his money, going back and forth from tourist cities to make make ends meet. His best friend lives in Texas and told him and his girlfriend to move down here. Well, when he got down here, his best friend and his girlfriend decided that they wanted to be together. And instead of just getting together and leaving him out the picture, they decided that he needed to be dead. So they took his birth certificate. They took his, his, his every piece of identification he had, took his clothes, birth certificate, social security card, driver's license, everything that told him that he was him to the legal system, took it, held him at gunpoint, slit his throat, and when they thought he was dead, they left. 
And as soon as he saw that they were away, he got up, flagged somebody down, passed out, spent a week and a half unconscious in the hospital, and, and then came to and was able to communicate. And his mom came down to see him, and his mom started sending care packages. And after three weeks, he was, he was recovered, and that's what he was called for. And so I'm talking to the pastor, and, and, and she's explaining all of this to me, and I'll say, I'll do what you need. I'm, I'm coming down. I'll come get him from the hospital. He checked out on a Friday, and they couldn't get a hotel situation taken care of because nobody wants to take a credit card over the phone. They want to swipe. So I said, that's fine. The parsonage, I have air mattresses and a couch. If he's okay with that and a TV, he can sleep there. Came down on Friday, picked him up from the hospital, took him to the grocery store because he's on a, 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 a liquid diet. So his, his diet consists now, because you can't swallow after you recover from a slit throat. And I saw the wounds on his arm, and I saw the tube in his stomach, and I saw the, the marks across his neck, and, and I saw it. So I got him some, some, uh, uh, some soup that he's able to eat and, and some mashed potatoes, instant mashed potatoes, and, and took him over here and talked to him and prayed with him. And then I came back on Saturday morning, and, and they, they called me again and said that we can't go to Manville because he won't make that bus in time. We need to go to Houston about four hours earlier. So I came and took him to Houston and made sure that he had his ticket in his hand before he got on that bus. But I talked to him about it, and it's still under investigation because I asked, well, are these people in jail? What happened to them? And he said that when the police tried to talk to them about it, they said that he tried to commit suicide, and they never saw him. And so because he had a checkered past, it is his word against theirs right now. So the best thing to do was to get him on something smoking out of here as soon as possible. Because they apparently had been calling the hospital like I did. I didn't think about it until afterwards. But I'd call the hospital and they say there's nobody here by that name. Of course they're going to say there's nobody here by that name. Somebody tried to kill him. So, got that straight. Talked to him. Saw the wounds. Saw everything. And I asked and we, we had a conversation about different things that was going on and there was something that I took from it that I don't think I'll ever forget. Because he talked about that and he said a couple things. And one of the things that he said was, number one, I know I am not suicidal. Number two, he said, I thank God that I still have my parents. And number three, and the best thing that I felt like is he said, now you can't tell me that prayer doesn't work. He's able to trust God even though he was left for dead, money gone. His closest friends left him by and by. So who am I to worry about what I'm going to eat or what kind of bills going to get paid or what kind of problems I have on? This truly is an example of saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So the faith is about the trust. He trusted the Lord. He was not afraid of the arrows by day or the terror by night. He trusted the Lord. So if he can trust the Lord, I ought to be able to trust the Lord. So if he can trust the Lord at death's door, I ought to be able to trust the Lord in my day-to-day -day life. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up wings as eagles, run and not get weary, walk and not faint. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with your bills. Trust in the Lord with your health. Trust in the Lord with your family. Trust the Lord in the valley. Trust the Lord on the mountains. Trust the Lord when you got money in your pocket. Trust the Lord when you ain't got no money in your pocket. Trust the Lord when your family loves you. Trust the Lord when your family is ready to disown you. Trust. Exercise that faith. That is the substance of things hoped for. That is the evidence of things unseen. And if you trust in the Lord, he'll take care of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.